Welcome to Managing Marketing and today I've got the opportunity of sitting and having a chat with the most interesting public relations person <laughs> I know, Elizabeth Huesler from Huesler Public Relations. Welcome Elizabeth. Thanks Darren, that's very kind and very good PR, thank you. Well no, look I say interesting because I really enjoy um, reading, you send out those uh, emails yes. and there's just great little anecdotes and observations and things which is really, really interesting. It must be a very successful way of, uh, of promoting what you do. Uh, they're always about words yeah. and public relations is fundamentally all about the words you use and the choice of words you use. Yeah. No, look, I, I just, because uh, I love words as well, and yes. I love the power of yes. words and how selecting the right words. So I, mm. I find it so interesting when that uh, email pops up in my inbox. It's one of those that I love to read. So mm. thank you for that. But I, I, today I'm really interested in, in talking to you about the fact that I just find marketers have quite a limited view, in many cases, about the role of public relations. You know, I, I, and I'm not sure exactly why that is, but they seem to only recently start to think about PR because there are PR companies that are saying things like, we can do your social media management and we'll organise your events and, we'll, and, and they're the things that they can relate to, whereas they don't seem to be able to re relate to public relations. Have you ever come across that with marketing? Or well, I, think, that I think there are as many types of marketers as there are public relations consultants. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> the sophisticated marketer understands, embraces public relations. There are some mar marketing groups I've worked with, and I've gone through three or four different companies with them. Every time they move to a new organisation, they just take me along with them, and we pick up and roll along, and we finish each other's sentences. It depends on the size of the company. It depends on the need of the company. Some companies have very small marketing departments or marketing budgets or even only one or two people. They might focus more on public relations, and that's not unusual. Some companies just have a sales department, and they'll add the PR in with the sales department. Some companies, the PR is just working with the board or with the chairman or in the C-suite. So it depends on the level of sophistication of the marketer I find, in how they're using public relations and what they're using it for. Quite often I work with marketing departments who only use me for a fraction of my services mm. and they only use a very small amount of what we could bring to the table. Conversely, there are other marketing organisations or marketing departments that use a wide breadth of services from what you're sort of alluding to, from reputation management, issues management, I might write all their marketing collateral, I might be looking after their videos, we might be looking after their social media channels. So it really depends from one marketing consultant how sophisticated they are and how aware they are and indeed how aware they even want to be. Mm. I think um, it's because it's perhaps so broad, mm. you know, that there are so many ways that a great PR practitioner 
can actually you know do their thing that they perhaps have trouble working out how to slot that in because when you think of the rest of marketing communications you've got your media agency you've got your creative agency who are the creative ones apparently and then you've got your digital agency who are the digital people and then you've got your shopper activation everyone else seems to fit into a slot mm. whereas then you get to public relations and from what you've just said, it could work across all of those areas or even beyond those areas to a whole new level of you know, influence and, um, and reputation management. Well, that is the beauty of working in the PR industry. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a great thing, not only for us, but it's also a great opportunity for the client as well, because there is so much that we can bring to the table. And years ago, talking about changes in the industry, we were often engaged just for media relations. Mm. or just an event or just a promotion. That's changed now where you're engaged to bring a broad perspective to everything to do with communications. It's funny though, isn't it, um, that media relations, because when you you listen to the journalists that work in marketing and, you know, the B&Ts mm. and the um, Umbrellas mm. and, the, and uh, Ad News, um, when they write stories about public relations they're always complaining about the press release that got emailed yes. through or or you know <laughs> um, being sent things that are not relevant or or upset uh, PR practitioners because they didn't write the story exactly you know they the, the trade press itself seems to relate to public relations from that dimension because that's the their main interface I guess then <laughs> they're right to keep their right to keep PR consultants on their toes and write about those things and I applaud them but from a PR consultant's point of view it's very difficult to write a press release about media relations and give that to a media relations organization <laughs> to run yeah <laughs> that's true I can imagine it is a little bit like the cobbler being poorly shod so it's a little bit tricky to write a story about media media and in fact the media relations itself is not just about press releases is it mm. because in the broadest context the best uh, the best advice I've ever been given is don't send a press release build a relationship I suppose that's in in some sort of Nirvana that you would do that but um, let me tell you 99.999% of the time it's still the press release, no matter what anyone really? tells you. Well, first of all, just take it, make a simple exercise. Try and get hold of a journal on the phone. Yeah. Once you've cracked that, some weeks will probably have passed. Then try and get that journal to listen to your tale. More weeks have passed. They want to see it. Journal, a good journalist wants to see it written down with facts and context and research to back up what you're saying sure sure i understand that but i think uh, it's also um if you're looking at uh, influencing mm. the story mm. then it's not just about the, is it it's not just about a press release see to me a press release is trying to get your point of view into the media yeah whereas i think media relations and that's what it's called is more about influencing 
the media coverage, not just getting your story. If you want to get your story into the media, there's a thing called paid media. Yeah, <laughs> you can buy a whole page in any daily newspaper and write exactly what you want there. But the reason you want a journalist or someone to write about you is that, and, and say what you want them to say is because it comes with the credibility of Precisely. that third party. And to do that, to me, takes more than just telling them what you want them to write. It actually comes from building a, a reciprocal relationship. They've got to get something from you. The cost of the relationship is you understanding their needs and finding a way that your needs and theirs are actually joined. Precisely. But all good PR consultants know how to build that relationship. You can build a relationship. If you have something interesting to say, you can build a relationship in 30 seconds. You'd be surprised how good a relationship you can get if you've got an interesting news story. Yeah. Of course, it's we who've worked in the industry for a long time obviously have good relations um, with the media. But it doesn't matter what you've called it on the, on the in the email, if you've called it a press release or an information sheet or a backgrounder, or recently for a very sensitive case, um, I sent out, I don't know, I think it was three or four pages of frequently asked questions to the journalists. So in this particular issue I was working on, I sent them all the questions that I knew would be asked and all the answers. Hmm. So that was some piece, you know, a, yeah. a lengthy piece of work. So it doesn't matter. I, 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 but know, that's because you understand what their requirements are. Sure. So you're making it life life easier for them. That's, that's the goal. And hence yeah. I go back to call it a press release or call it whatever you like. But you have to impart some information. My mm. only point is that you impart that in writing rather than ringing. Yeah. The relationship, the coffee, all that is a very nice thing to have, which you will which you have just by being in the industry and being aware. And if you want to do your own media relations, sure, drop a journal in a line. Oh, sorry, I'm not I'm not um, recommending that people do their own, but what no, I'm but saying is... No, but if you is, want to build yeah. that relationship with yeah. yourself, then, you know, they're, they're quite, you know, generally media quite available and you can send them a note. Absolutely. <laughs> I think, though, that uh, the, the paid media earned media mm. um, is an interesting paradigm because, you know, it, there is a perception that if you earn the space in the media, it does have more value. A thousand times more value. It's, you know, with respect, anyone can buy time or buy air. You just need deep pockets. Well, you buy a little bit. You, anyone can buy time or buy air. It's only yeah. how much air you buy or how much time you buy, how much space you buy. But uh, there used to be a formula, didn't there, for uh, oh, yes. trying to put a, a, yes. a value against this earned media time. It was called the media equivalency. Yeah. I, it, it was the cost, of, you know, if, if I got a full page written up in, let's say, the Sydney Morning Herald, yeah. we'd measure up that space, uh, we'd work out what the paid equivalent was, yeah. and then we'd multiply by a factor like three. I remember doing that in my junior years as a consultant. And that is probably where it stayed. Um, it's, really, it's not about the space. You'd rather have one paragraph where they say some, where there's something useful and interesting and relevant said about you than a, a full page of nonsense. Exactly. <laughs> and also it comes down to, you know, what's more valuable, having a profile piece on an individual in the organisation or even the product or the brand or whatever, 
or having a, ref, a, a, a full page where your brand is referred to along with other brands that positions it in quite a positive way. Precisely. I had a client that wanted to be positioned in a certain area and during the course of our, uh, our campaign, the client was quoted by government ministers. I mean, there was only lines here and there. But still, how influential is that because of the context of the person? Precisely. Yeah. Game one. So yeah. that's those old measurements. It's funny though, because they're still floating around. I mean, we've seen PR companies recently that do things like the number of likes on Facebook or the number of followers on Instagram. You know, the ones that have moved into social media are still finding these very superficial, shallow metrics, which is, for me, media equivalency for the old PR measure is just like counting the number of likes in social media, isn't it? You, you, really, you hit on a very good point, Darren. And it really comes back to what your client, how your client likes to measure and what they see the value in. Mm. If your client sees value in likes, to me, that's like monopoly money. And if they think that's great, fine. But PR, good PR consultants have many different ways of measuring. It's not just one measurement and that's it. There's milestones and measurements and, R- and projects are linked to ROI. And you mm-hmm. have, I, every client of mine has a different way of measuring. Mm. Some it's just on, on, on awareness, you know, where when you start a campaign, I started a campaign um, for a, a, a medical company and their awareness was 0.01% or something. <laughs> And prompted or unprompted. <laughs> and after five years with nothing else but PR, in that there was no paid yeah. or above the line or below the line or anything, it was over 60%. Yeah, amazing. So there's your yeah. measurement. And, and then, you know, you couldn't even begin to calculate how much paid media it would take to, to deliver that same sort of growth. But, I mean, it's the fact that they've achieved their objective, which was getting that 60% awareness from next to nothing. From their target, and that, that yeah, was... With the target audience, With yeah. their target audience that mm. would potentially purchase this, this product. So, but as I say, each client that I work with has a different way of, of measuring. Yeah, I think you know you, you're exactly right that the measurement has to go to the strategy. What is it mm. we're wanting to achieve, and how are we actually going to measure yes. that we've achieved that? Just to uh, to change topics a little bit, you did mention before, you know, that uh, within very large organisations, we've got often the C-suite, the CEO, will have corporate affairs and their PR. Uh, advisors and, and consultants and then over here you will have your government relations advisors and consultants and you might have your um, sales and product team working with there. Um, you end up, I can see why it's segmented, but you end up with often different groups of public relations people uh, talking to those different uh, categories and being specialists in that. But is that the ideal way to do it, do you think? It varies from client to client. And again, it goes back to what their appetite is. Mm. Um, and if they want a consultancy that can work across all areas, in some very large organisations, I'm slotted in in a very tiny, tiny piece, as a mm-hmm. tiny piece of that wheel. And that's great. Yeah. Um, and other organisations... We're, we're, we are the big communications wheel within that organisation. Perhaps some of the other segments are smaller and come off the PR wheel. 
So it varies too much from organisation. It depends. They might have a big emphasis on investor relations or they might have a small emphasis on sales. So the beauty about PR is that it's so flexible that you can have us just for a small component or sitting across, you know, we're, we're flexible enough to work across all those different areas. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think probably what I'm more interested in is when I see examples from a single organisation, and yeah, we could pick on the banks because they're going through a royal commission mm. at the moment, um, and, and let's pick bank uh, instead of ABC, go XYZ, <laughs> you know, because that could be any bank. And um, they've got uh, obviously crisis management uh, consultants in to help them with how they're going to present their story to the Royal Commission mm. and then they'll have some other consultants that will be working on investor relations because how will we you know, continue to support our, um, our share price as we go through this and then down here we've got the marketing department and they'll have a component of you know, um, public relations doing consumer based and you often see different messages in the same media mm being generated by three lots of uh, three areas within the business and it just ends up contradictory it's for a the really, It's a really good example of what not to do and as we're talking about banks X, Y and Z, only last week um, one of the ABC banks, was they were contradicting each other in what they were saying. Mm. But yeah. you, you know, you would hope that doesn't happen, and, and whilst as a as a, a PR advisor, you can only advise. At the end of the day, you can't make anyone do anything. You can just advise, and quite often, um, there's been many instances in, in the media where they said, "Oh, you know what? You know, they didn't have a very good PR advisor." You never really know what's going on behind the scenes, and I've been in situations where we've tried to rescue it as best we could but they weren't taking our advice. Mm. So had they taken our advice, it would have been a different situation. Um, so some, you know, quite often there's a, lot more, there's a lot more going on in a couple of the high-profile um, issues that have gone on at the moment, not so much the banks, but they'll, they'll be getting advice, I'm thinking in the sporting arena, they'll be getting so much advice from so many different people, they often don't know what advice to take and they'll act on some own instinct or we often get where um, clients will have advice from an outside party like a lawyer and then they will have our advice and their accountant's <laughs> advice and they will they will be then confused with who do I listen to my accountant or my lawyer or my media advisor yeah yeah that's that's true everyone's got an opinion yeah. what do they say opinions are like um, assholes <laughs> <laughs> everyone's got one but um, no, it, it's only because when we started this conversation, you know, one of the things that you, and, and I've heard you articulate this, is that um, public relations in its fullest form has the ability to influence, you know, so many areas of, of a business and their stakeholders. It would seem to me that more than marketing, because marketing is often about building brands and customers, mm. and then your corporate affairs is, you know, that the whole PR is that ability to actually take single, singular management of reputation, of corporate reputation. It seems to me this is, has to be, if you're a publicly listed company, the board should have uh, a, a focus on this, the CEO needs to be focused on it and be very careful about 
sending out mixed messages mm. across these different areas. Does that happen very often? Have you seen that in large organisations? The mixed messages. Or avoiding the mixed messages because they've got a singular strategy across the whole business. Generally, generally there is a singular strategy and, and, you know, we always focus on issues, you know, because they're they're probably the high profile, but you have a lot of issues, just not even issues, things that happen within a company that if you told the story outside the company would not be a big deal, but they're a big deal within the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're issues that, ha- that happen every day. It's, it's only the really high profile ones like the banks, which are of course, you know, massive BMOS. Um, so they're probably a little, little different. They're, I suppose they're a, a different institution mm-hmm. in themselves because they are proving now how poor their communications are. Mm-hmm. Oh, but even um, airlines, for instance, you know, you'll have airlines talking to uh, the investors saying, you know, well, we're cutting costs and uh, we're going to trim them to the bone and offshore uh, services to uh, get those costs down and then plough millions of dollars into marketing that says, you know, uh, no expense spared in delivering you the best possible service and safety. You know, the two uh, are going out to the main media and yet they're very superficially diametrically opposed you know we've got two separate messages cutting cost cutting and we won't cut cut costs where it comes to your safety and how and how frustrating that is for the consumer no matter what level of no not no matter where you come into it from the consumer point of view and i was at a conference last weekend in the hotel industry where all the um major players in the hotel industry were talking about customer service and i was staying in a hotel where they weren't answering their front desk. <laughs> For the conference. <laughs> For the conference. <laughs> the sweet irony. <laughs> yes, yes, the sweet irony indeed. But that is just, it's just immensely frustrating and ultimately really stupid because all you do is just enrage the customer mm. and lose confidence, lose trust. And again, just going back to our favourite topics of the banks, that's why no one believes anything they say. Yeah, there's a loss of uh, trust because there's a loss of authenticity and a loss of um, empathy that you stop believing that they're actually there for you. And yet at the same time, they've all got campaigns out there that say, we're here for you. But clearly what's coming out is that they're not here for us. They're actually here for the shareholders and their personal... um, Bonuses. Many of us have, have experienced that with the banks where we're listening to them saying one thing um, and most recently Matt Common from the Commonwealth Bank was saying one thing, they're all saying different messages. But the consumer who's actually using the bank isn't getting that experience. Mm. So... And so, you know, you would say, because uh, I know, you know, that public relations should be about managing reputation. What did, in fact, earlier you mentioned, before we started chatting, about what was the first PR company listed as? Oh. In the in the pink pages. In the pink pages, it was before the yellow pages. It was George Fitzpatrick was the first public relations um, company. He was listed in 1930s and he was in, it was the Public Persuasion, Propaganda and Publicity. 
Oh, see, I, what I love about that is it just reeks of authenticity. Yes. He said exactly what he does. We persuade, we're propaganda, and we're publicity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now we come up with euphemisms for all those because to, to say pro the word propaganda yeah. uh, just scares the hell out of people. Mind control, mind control, you know. Um, is, is it the fact that perhaps that either organisations take a very fragmented approach to their PR or is it the fact that very few actually um, see marketing as part of the overall public perception of, of a brand? Because, and, and the reason, I'm sorry, I, uh, the reason I say that is I've had a number of conversations with corporate affairs people who, when I've suggested that marketing should be included in the loop, go, ah, that's just marketing. Mm. That's just advertising. No one cares. It's a strange reaction. Uh, it's a strange comment from public affairs. Uh, but I think it comes down to the to their to their own sophistication and their own awareness. And you'll find that varies from company to company. Most sophisticated marketers, sophisticated public affairs people embrace. PR because they know what it can do mm. um, but on the other hand sometimes they just don't want to use those services and again when we're talking about the, the, the large BMOS that have a lot of different messages going on they're employing a lot of people as well you know, that's mm. when you think of the oh, of hundreds of yeah. thousands of people they're going to employ most companies will pretty much stick to messaging and, and be consistent it's really not that much of an issue in, within most companies because mm. they don't have they're not that fragmented yeah the, the smaller the company mm. the um, tighter the message and also I think it's interesting that uh, companies that still have a founder yes. you know it's inter it, I love it when people talk about oh Steve Jobs and Apple mm. well he was the founder you know he was the epitome of that brand mm. because it was built in his vision it mm. was his vision that made it happen it's interesting now because when management is bought in you know the ceo's appointed you often wonder how the the, the selection process is even based around them buying into the strategy the brand the reputation of the company or whether they're just bought in to make it perform financially and, the, and uh, it's interesting, do you know, um, Susie Shaw from We Are Social came and we had a conversation uh, here and she was saying, you know, so many CEOs are not engaging in social media to talk to their customers. You know, they're busy talking to shareholders, mm. but they don't actually take the time to talk to their customers. It's really interesting that that's, in the U US apparently, it's less common, but especially in Australia, um, CEOs are not engaging with customers. I think that well, that's one of those things that will gradually change. To most, to, uh, to some, social media is still untried and untested and unproven. And then again, a lot. Sorry, of, I'm laughing. <laughs> but there again, a lot of people, consultants, selling social media aren't able to sell it to a C-suite who wants to have confidence and wants metrics and measurements and outcomes. And rather than risking, as I said before, rather than risking the passive words of we will endeavour and we will try and we will aim and 
we'll test it, and if that doesn't work, all of this language is an anathema to a serious company. Oh, we'll test out the social media, and if that doesn't work, we'll try something else, and if that's no good, we'll give it another shot. So all the C-suite is hearing is, that sounds like a big mistake, that sounds like a a big mistake, and then someone else comes in and says, oh, it's good to fail, you know, we fail fast. So you've got to listen to what they're hearing, and then on top of that, there's a lot of dollars attached to it. Well, but then so that's not it, a good thing to buy into. But Elizabeth, we've got the uh, CEO, let's say, of the world's largest economy tweeting out policy uh, every night, you know, and uh, <laughs> you'd have to... You'd, uh, <laughs> Do you want to go there? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, to say that uh, social media is untested, if it's good enough for the President of the United States of America, <laughs> it uh, possibly is good enough for... Uh, for uh, the CEO of uh, pu- a publicly listed company in Australia. Well, I think that comes back to your measure, back to your measurements. <laughs> but I will say, if, if you're measuring against the um, president of the United States, we would all know what that brand is, and we would all be very, very clear on what that brand stands for. So, Absolutely. if we're looking at it in those terms, you've got to say that's success. I would say there are very few people on the planet that didn't know what that brand stood for. Exactly. So. Yeah, and it's interesting how uh, you know the longer he, he uh, is in the job, the, uh, the the more polarized, but also the more locked in people seem to be on being plus or minus. I mean, if you can polarize the population fifty fifty or even sixty forty, that would have to be better than a business that gets let's say five percent market share or ten percent market share. Better to have 50% of the marketplace absolutely to test you Mm. as long as the other 50% are absolutely wedded to you and your brand than be nothing that scratches away at single digits. You've got 100% awareness. Yeah. Can't argue with that. Exactly. (laughs) The interesting job, wouldn't it, to be a uh, a PR advisor to uh, Donald Trump, wouldn't it? President Mm. Trump. Well, it's always interesting giving PR advice to to people at that at that level, and how much advice again, how much advice they take. And well, I, I know you wouldn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a short term trip. Yes, yes, yes. I think you're right. But um, probably getting back to marketing, mm. um, the the P, there's lots and lots of PR companies mm. in the marketplace, and they're all quite. Um, yeah, there's there's specialists, and then there's some that are you know generalists, and there's the big sort of multinational uh, PR companies, and then there's the small independents and things. Where where would anyone start working out where to find the right PR company for them? Well, fortunately, PR people are highly engaged and highly social, so you would just start by inviting PR people to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and seeing how you get on with them. And I would also suggest that you take the person out to lunch who's going to be doing the work, not the person who's going to be pitching for the business because often the twain will never meet. Uh, And then find find someone who you can be confident that you can trust and have confidence in. You have a very close relationship with your PR consultant and it isn't always a bed of roses. it does occasionally hit the fan and you want to know your PR consultant is going to be there for you at 
six o'clock on a Saturday night and five o'clock on a Sunday morning because issues always occur at that time of day. They don't occur at nine to five. <laughs> so you want to how know, inconvenient. Yes, how well, it is. Um, it's it's part of the part of the gig. So you want to find out how committed they are to you and yeah. how available they are and things like service level agreements, even notionally, what's their turnaround time for getting back to you. I was with a client on the weekend and I was at a conference and because I was at this conference, I was in the basement so he, I couldn't get phone calls. And he, he'd send out almost like an APB on me. He said, because you always, he said, you always answer your phone on the second ring. Yeah. So he said, the fact that I had to leave messages for you, he said, I thought there was something wrong. Wrong, yeah, yeah. Um, and he said, that's why I like working with you. He said, I have other consultants. I know they'll phone me back in two or three days. But he said, I have you in a different category because you answer the phone on the second ring. Yeah. So it's, it's, that's the, what makes or breaks your PR relationships. So you want to get all you that out. You're there when they need you. Yes, and what and what that actually translates to. Mm. Um, it's interesting from my perspective because we do a lot of work where we help people select advertising agencies, media agencies. PR is a totally different professional relationship mm. in that there is not a marketer alive that would engage an agency that's working with a competitor. Mm. And yet, <laughs> often I get a brief from a client that will say, look, um, we need a specialist PR company, and they might be in the food category, and they go, here are the five people that work in food and they're specialists. And they're specialists because they're working with all their competitors. Mm. that competitive consideration doesn't seem to be as big an issue no. in public relations. Why do you think that <laughs> we is? Don't, no, we just don't care about it. We just work hard for the client. I've been, I was referred by a a client, he referred me to his competitor. And I said, but this is your direct competition. Why are you referring? He said, oh, better that you do it than someone else. <laughs> well, that's the highest praise you I could possibly so. get. You know. And it worked out great because I was getting media for one and I was able to join the other one that sort of piggybacking off each other's media. Wow, okay. So I've sort of got two lots of work for the one... See, I, I completely get it if it's about media buying because potentially yeah. you could be both buying the same inventory and uh, driving, you know, destroying competition mm. in that you're both competing so you end up paying more. Or one of the ones that I love is um, search engine marketing because mm. they're actually bidding for particular keywords mm. in a, at a time so they could both be bidding each other up and making Google and Facebook rich but um, or especially uh, Google but yeah I understand it from the point of view because every company even if they're competitors they still have different strategic requirements and, yeah. and that's part of I couldn't imagine that you would take a strategy with that one client exactly. and apply the, exactly the same no. strategy to their competitor because they would have different I've never, needs. In all, the, in all the decades I've been in business, I don't think I've ever done, I've never repeated a strategy ever. Yeah. It, it just, there's so many variables. How could it possibly happen? It, it, exactly. And all my clients get my client list mm. and everyone I've ever worked with. So they'll, if they have an issue about, oh, we don't want to work with someone who's working with them, that's, you get that out on the table immediately. And what about um, uh, conflicts from the point of view of topics that you won't work on? There be, must be some things that uh, 
you know, a lot of agencies now are saying things like, um, you know, uh, tobacco uh, and, well, especially tobacco, but some even anti-gambling and things like that. Is that an issue for um, public relations? No, I think it's very much water finds its own level. Uh, There are obviously some clients that don't come to me because I'm not to what they're looking for, whether I go to a different agency. So you pretty much know what the what area the agency is in mm. when you're talking to them or it's quickly found in that conversational breakfast or lunch you've gone out to mm. so obviously and what what do you um, what would you say to the people that call um, a PR people spin doctors oh i don't really i don't mind what we call really. <laughs> as long as you pay your bills yeah. on time yes. <laughs> Yeah? Yes. Um, Doesn't matter? It, look, it's normally said exactly as you're saying it. It's normally said with a smile. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's when the angry client's shouting at you down, you're nothing but a spin doctor. <laughs> yes, that's right. Thank you. <laughs> I think it's all about context. Yeah. <laughs> there was an I was representing a client and there was an article in the paper and about the project. They said, and, and their PR and their public relations consultancy contacted us. And I thought... And your point would be? Mm. <laughs> so, yes. yes. All you've just said is that this is a very professional operation that has an expert uh, advising yeah, The person that contacts the media contacted them. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think they were trying to infer that the client wouldn't talk to us. I don't know what, but it was just that's sort of what we, that's what we do. It's interesting, uh, journalists that uh, that become uh, oh, PR yes. consultants. Yeah. How the ju- the jobbing journalists, the working journalists, mm. call them hacks. Yes. Yeah, you know, they've become hacks. Um, it, 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 there's an interesting dynamic there, isn't yeah. it? Because I was. I often sign off to journalists. You're a humble hack. <laughs> well, I think dear that, Flack, you're yeah. a humble hack. I think that's um, that's uh, owning the... Oh, uh, absolutely. Owning it. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. Look, um, we've run out of time, but I really appreciate you dropping by for a chat. I was in the neighbourhood. It's my pleasure. And um, just one last thing. Uh, who do you think has been the worst client you've ever had? Mm-hmm.